Welcome to Talking In Stations. This is Matt Earl. I'm here with uh, Rundle. How are you doing, Rundle? I'm doing great. Citizens New New Eden. It's a Monday. It's a show. And I'm still not Astrashi. Damn, I missed it. <laughs> Can't do it. I like, I like how you Charlie Brown fail at the end of it. It's hilarious. Uh, also with me on camera here is a uh, friend of the show, Servad. How are you doing, Servad? Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I am not Ashtarothi. He was not joining us here today, so you're stuck with us. <laughs> yeah, he can do it. I can't. Uh, I'm hey, he did a good job. Well, he goes to college. Yeah, throw, he throws his arms out. Greetings, fellow Empyreans. <laughs> yeah, he's the whole thing. <laughs> he really gets into it. I'm not saying anybody should emulate that, by the way, but, you know, whatever. Develop your own styles. Uh, today we're going to talk about industry. What is industry? When people refer to industry in EVE Online, what are they talking about? And it's not as clear-cut as you would think. So we thought, well, it takes some time to actually look into different parts of it and talk about something that Servad uh, brought up earlier today, and that was uh, the possibility of instead of what establishing yourself in a strong vertical position, uh, actually becoming more diverse over products and becoming horizontal, uh, something along those lines. We'll find out in a few minutes as he explains it to us. But first, let's go into some of the news that's going on with the war. This is from the last weekend. And as you can see, it's been a big, big weekend of uh, destruction in Delve. I think those six keep stars there that are destroyed are all from Delve, Aquarius region, and belong to Goon Swarm. And the uh, pace is really just picking up. Uh, we covered that on yesterday's show. We talked a bit, a bit about uh, just how fast it's going. There was some misinformation that we gave out because the counting is unclear. But uh, we have good information now on how many uh, keep stars are still left. And we'll look at that. Gobbins actually put out something to his people that we intercepted in the public. And uh, it says, uh, let's do some math for today's post. 32 dead Imperium keep stars this war so far. 28 kill mails. You can look them up on Zkill. There's uh, the no kill mail for F2O. That was a kill mail that never generated, so it's not listed anywhere. That's one, uh, plus the 28 that he started with. Uh, the definitely not goon one in KQK. I don't know what that means. The stolen one in K6. There was one that was picked off and taken by NC Dot uh, when it was being taken down for removal. And uh, the ganked one in WTACK, which was a system right next door, where one was successfully removed or I should say unanchored, put into a freighter. When the freighter was trying to get away, it was shot and destroyed. It's considered a dead Keepstar. So that totals the 32 dead Keepstars uh, in Delve. And as we can see, six of those went down since Friday. So the pace is really moving pretty fast and it seems to be picking up speed, which we were not expecting. Uh, we were expecting things to actually uh, get moving rapidly, but we did not expect it to go this fast. So we'll see what happens in the next few weeks, how long it takes the Pappy forces to uh, really cleanse Delve of most of its structures that belong to the Imperium. Now remember, 
Delve still has the constellation of 1DQ. So 1DQ has, I believe, uh, five in the actual system of 1DQ, but there are more than just that. There is... You mean uh, in terms of keep stars, or like around the constellation? Constellation, yeah. In total, we said, uh, by the way, we said there were nine keep stars left, under 10 keep stars left outside of 1DQ. What we meant was the 1DQ constellation, which has more than five. Uh, so total, there are 16 keep stars outside of 1DQ, not nine. Uh, and is the price is that sixty billion price differential that you're showing here between the the, the most you know the most valuable on the left? Is that the core? Is that what happened there? I thought the cores were only fifty billion. I don't know how much the cores are in Keep Stars. I thought they were thirty. Uh, I could take a look, or actually, if oh, you maybe. could take a look, yeah, look it up. Yeah, I'll I'll take a peek. Thanks. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to read off some of the Keep Stars where they are now, and um, there is one that uh, the armor timer is up in about a day, 24 hours. That is in YQX. Um, but they're also in, here are the keep stars that are still alive outside of 1DQ. Uh, YX, Y, sorry, YX, YQX, BX TAC, BTAC 7, 3 TAC D, N TAC 8, 8 WA, 5B, T, T, uh, 5B, T, K, M, O, TAC, Y, TAC, O. That's inside of the constellation where 1DQ is. U, E, X, O, P, U, I, G, TAC, O, TAC, H, P, S, TAC, 9, 31X, TAC, 7U, T, B, Q tac O. Those are the 16 keep stars outside of Delve that are still functional. And then you have the five inside of 1DQ, and those bring the total of 21 keep stars. So there are still 21 keep stars uh, inside of Delve. And we look at that because that was really the wall. That was the measurement of power and really the intimidating um mountain that anybody who attacked delve would have to climb so looks like it's being climbed so there it is did you find the core information yeah uh cores and rigs those were the difference cores and rigs on those okay yep cores and rigs uh basically a couple rigs 20 bill and so it'd be 40 uh, sorry 20 bill there and the 30 uh, and just, you know, some change here and there, a slight difference between them, but, but basically those are the big issues Yeah. or big differences. Sorry, not issues. Right. We have pictures of all those keep stars too. that somebody sent to me. So, uh, we're not, we're not putting them up cause it'll take a while to get through them. But the point is 21 keep stars are left in Delve. Five of those are in one DQ. 16 of the, of those are outside of one DQ and 32 have been destroyed. So a little bit more than halfway or actually or like two-thirds. All right. We have other news out there, Rundle? I think there's a little bit. Um, I think there's been some uh, counter-punching by the Imperium. That's uh, certain. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a few other fights here and there. Um, I think... Uh, trying to see where that data was. I'm sorry. No problem. Let me shut... Yeah, I think... Uh, 
so there was a keep star that was defended by Imperium. Uh, there was a tight uh, fight over some Titans, but the Titans got out. Oh yeah, that was um, we saw and that today the, in talking in stations. Yeah, YQX stack seven uh, U. They were assaulting a keep star near downtime. That was uh, Naros and friends, and uh, they got four Titans sucked into a drag bubble that put them right on the keep star, which means. Uh, the Keepstar could engage them. There was also a ton of bombers. Let's see if we we don't get we don't have any uh, footage of that or anything, do we? Right. And uh, two of the Titans actually jumped out right away, and so they were safe. One, I don't know what happened to that one. Might have logged off, but uh, the last Titan that was trapped was uh, Noros, and uh, they had to throw in a bunch of fax machines to save him. So they basically saved that uh, Titan until downtime hit and then took him off the field. So uh, so no, nobody was destroyed, but it was a very close call and a really good ambush by the Imperium. And they almost got a Titan from Noros's group, or Noros himself, actually. Yep. That was a pretty big fight. I think they lost eight. Uh, the Pappy forces lost eight... Uh, what they lose? Eight uh, fax machines or something. Yeah, I'm looking it up here. I don't think I have a link to that battle report. What was that, YXQ? Yes. That was Inquarius then. There it is. So that was right before downtime, which is less than 24 hours. So you can see the spikes of uh, population. Wow, it got up to nearly... That's... um. I think we're yeah, looking at seven... this, though. About 1,000 people there. Six faxes, seventeen and a half billion lost there. Um, number of uh, number of frigates, number of uh, let's see, yeah, basically a bit of some frigates. Uh, it was faxes basically that were were the main uh, things contributed to the the total loss. Yeah. All right. So look out there. So okay, now uh, Servad. You and I were talking earlier about industry, and you asked a question. You want to repeat the question? Let's just have that discussion over again. Sure. Um, so I've been watching the shows and uh, really enjoying the industry-related shows since that's uh, more my gameplay than uh, PvP. And we've had some real experienced builders on and very knowledgeable. And I noticed that... that um, uh, a lot of the, the discussion simply assumed that um, that a particular approach to to industry, which is um, vertical integration, that means. Uh, so, what do you think about vertical integration? Well, it's called vertical vertical because you're going, you're trying to reach down into the supply down into the supply chain to the environment to control as much of the manufacturing process as possible, capture maximum value. So a vertically integrated um, outfit would, you know, you go out there with a mining laser, you store the, the ore, then you process it and build components and you put components into a you know, capital ship or whatever it is that you're building. And you keep every stage of the process in house, and the way that you you the way you expand, or excuse me, the way you increase the efficiency of your operation is through uh, 
superior rigs, superior structures, better skills for your resource extraction. Um, it's all based around trying to squeeze maximum value out of the environment. Um, and if you if if you're fully vertically integrated, you capture or at least you maintain in house in your organization a hundred percent of the value of that item. Right, starting from the asteroid belt and working your way all the way to the the Titan or the mining barge or whatever. So that's one approach to to industry and. It has a number of advantages. Uh, one is, like I say, you capture maximum uh, share of the value chain, but it also it's not dependent on um, functioning markets. Right? You can do that in the, you can do it in Omist or Wicked Creek or, you know, some other remote area of Nullsec. Um, as long as you can get access to space where the resources you need um, are present, then and you have production facilities, you can build what you need. Um, at least in HiSec, however, this is not actually how most of the um, most of the goods on market get produced. Um, the The production process is much more. Um, uh, well, there's there's no good reason to try to keep your production process in house if you're located primarily in high security space, because you have access to all the resources that you need in a, in a market, right? So if I need tritanium, let's say I need, I don't know, 10 million tritanium to make a mining barge, well, I can go out there and adventure or a, a skiff or whatever, and I can mine it myself. But if I have 20 million disk, I can also just buy it off the market, and that's a lot faster, right? Um, so the, the, what happens is the market in HiSec basically acts as facilitator for exchanges that in a vertically integrated outfit they would handle on their spreadsheet or through uh, their internal trade channel or something like that. Um, so I cooperate with a lot of people in HiSec who I never meet, talk to. I don't know. Who, I could find out who they are if I want to, but, but I have very little reason to do that. Um, and so if this strategy which I would describe as horizontal integration is different from vertical integration in that you're not starting with the um, with the asteroid belt and the mining laser. You're starting with the market. You say, okay, I want to make a, a Titan or a mining barge or whatever. Um, th these are the input components that I need, and this is what they cost currently on the market. I'm going to buy the raw materials that I want from the market run them through the blueprint, and then I'm going to post the finished good. And my, so I'm only capturing a part of the total production process, but I'm extracting maximum value out of the particular part that I'm trying to capture, right? Because if I have a spreadsheet and I know the conversion between input and output for hundreds of items at a glance, then I can see, well, the best use for my tritanium or my pyrite is not to make, um, is not to make a, a venture, it's to make a skiff or uh, whatever the T1 mining barge is. I forget what it's called. Um, so you, you pick and you choose which item you think is going to be the most profitable, and you just run that conversion over and over and over again. Raw material purchased from the market into the blueprint. You sell the finished good for ISK. You buy more raw material. 
and you just you just keep running that cycle over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, so your expansion in that respect is not to is not to squeeze more productivity out of the market. It's to carry more items, right? So one mining bar today, I'm going to sell ten tomorrow, hundred the next day, etc. So and it's that's a horizontal a, strategy. A better way. Okay, so that's a horizontal strategy, different from the vertical strategy. Let me see if I can understand it myself. Vertical strategy is to squeeze out every layer of discounts that you can get. So I'll do my own mining, save myself a little bit of money by taking out a middleman. I'll do my own refining in my own structure to get a better return on my yield for refining. I'll take those minerals and I'll build inside my own engineering complex, cut out any middleman and uh, get discounts for using my own structure in deep space, for instance. And I'm, I'm constantly ratcheting down my operation cost to get to a product that's vertical so you go from mining to refining to building to hauling to putting on the market and selling and you do from top to bottom the whole vertical and horizontal is saying don't waste your time doing all that instead just buy the level of ingredients you want either buy the minerals from the market and build or buy the actual thing itself but you're going to go vertical in that you're offering uh different products so i'm going to sell this mining barge but i'm also going to sell some fittings that go with it i'm also going to sell a mining barge that's t1 version of that t2 so you're diversifying your offerings and just resourcing off the market and that's where you're spending your time yeah, so another way to think of it is, let's say that somebody pursuing a, a vertical integration strategy, they sell 10 orcas, let's say at 100 million ISK each, and they ask themselves, how can I improve the efficiency of my industrial operation? They're going to look and say, okay, I'm going to buy another Athenor because that way I can mine another moon, or I'm going to put a T2 rig on a structure I already have, or I'm going to... Um, I don't know, I'm going to try to recruit some new people. Maybe I'll buy a ba another battleship so I can better control my space. It's all going to be tied in some way to, to space and infrastructure and to, and to people, to the kind of nuts and bolts of the organization. But if I'm pursuing a horizontal strategy and I suddenly realize a profit of a billion-esque, then I'm going to say, well, okay, I'm doing pretty good selling orcas. Now let me sell apocalypses or let me sell Megatron or, or what have you. Um, it would, it's not going to cross my mind probably to buy an Athenor because, well, I'm probably, probably doing it myself or in a very small group, so I probably don't have the muscle to defend the thing if I had it. If, you know, um, yeah, I'm, uh, you, you don't need to control the, the physical space in the, same, in the same way. So you're not gaining efficiency in that respect, but you're also, you're, you don't have the hassle of, of protecting it, of moving it, of mm -hmm. managing people. You don't have, you know, you don't have to do all the things that go along with running a corporation and you can achieve a very high level of capitalization, you know, without ever, there's, without ever bothering with that. There's a comment here that might interest you. It's from BB, uh, BBQ King master who says, and also horizontal integration makes you makes you blind to the market fluctuations. I don't know what that means. Makes you blind. I have to unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I don't know what he means there. I, I've thought he was saying 
it makes you more or less vulnerable to market fluctuations because you can move faster. If I spend a bunch of time in startup costs, uh, setting up my structures, setting up my situation, then I, uh, I'm already in debt to like make a profit. And if I was going to build drones and all of a sudden drones are out of favor, now my whole production line is not going to be as profitable, profitable as I thought it was going to be. So you're kind of stuck in, um, a little further and not as flexible if you're being horizontal. Uh, whereas if you're buying stuff off the market, you can probably react. And because you're diversified, you can probably not get as hurt by any market fluctuations in what is desired product at the time. Well, so, um, uh, market orders can sometimes take a long time to move, right? Cause you're, you're penalized for constantly updating them. I mean, it used to be, you just thought one is get it, you know, once a day and, your stuff would move pretty fast, but they got rid of that. Um, so your main capitalization for a horizontal integration strategy is just going to have, you can have hundreds of, um, of market orders, though, right? I'm not going to sit there and nurse my Orca every day, updating, updating, updating. I'm just going to set it at the price that I think is right and move on. And so if... If you have, I don't know, 10 billion ISK, let's say, you're not going to, it's not going to be in a Tatara with a T2 rig. It's going to be in 50 large open orders. So in that sense, you're, if there's a large change in the price of raw materials, well, there's also a, a large change in the price of production for your competitors, right? Um, so you are pretty exposed to, to market fluctuations in that respect. It's a it's a diversification through um, through what you're selling without being tied to the production chain of what you're selling. Where a vertical is, you've tied yourself to the production chain to get the. So if you want to sell 20 different things and you have to have the production line or some you know some hand in the production to get every last ISK optimization. Right. So that'd be the vertical. The horizontal just says, I'm going to take my equity and I'm going to buy things. I'm going to try to manage through buy sell margin. Um, yeah. And then and then you diversify across the market that way. I think that's, that's right. in essence what you're describing. Quick correction. Yeah, that's Barbecue King Master uh, wrote vertical. He, I mean, he wrote horizontal, but he meant to write vertical makes you blind oh. to market fluctuations. So. Yeah. And so that I think that's a really good point that he makes. And um, sometimes when. Well, because the vertical integration strategy, your primary point of contact is with the sale of the finished good, right? You, you're kind of, you're not, your eye isn't on the market. It's on the asteroid belt. It's on the ethanol. It's on controlling your space. And so um, a lot of the decisions that, that uh, integrated, or excuse me, vertically integrated mining out, or excuse me, uh, industrial outfits make, like, like to me, the industry I do is an extension of the market. Like, it's not clear to me at all why you would make launch that decision. For example, um, a lot of times in industry, we talk about the size of people's stockpiles, right? And stockpiles are so large or they run down stockpile. And it's, it seems to be like a, I don't know, um, like an accomplishment, like a badge of honor to have a, a huge stockpile, right? So you can make whatever you want at a moment's notice. Um, but if you're pursuing a horizontal strategy, you're not going to look at your stockpile as potential production. You're going to look at it as ISK that is locked into 
that is sitting there in a hard asset, but it's convertible at any time, right? So if let's say I ha- I'm not going to try to have as big a stockpile as I can on that strategy, I'm going to have try to have as small a stockpile as possible because uh, if it's tied up in Veldspar sitting in my hangar, it's not out there working for me, right? It's just it's just sitting there. It's just inert. Unless I want to speculate on the price of raw materials, I can hold it for that reason. Um, Which works but, sometimes. But you, yeah, well, if, if, if you if you stockpile Veldspar two weeks ago, you know, you're sitting pretty it good right works. now. Well, no, because it, yeah. it might go down. I mean, right now you're sitting good, but it will go down later. Anyway, I, I threw you off. Go ahead. Um, so, well, from my point of view, doing horizontal uh, a horizontally integrated strategy. Um, yeah, I would just, I would just never try to, to stockpile maximum amount of that, uh, material. If the price jumps 20%, let's say recently the price of, um, uh, or has jumped 50, sometimes a hundred percent. Well, I bought that stuff on hoping to make a 20% return, right? All right, I'm out. I'm going to take the money and run. You know, I'm not going to try to make an orca to squeeze an extra 10% out of those materials because I don't know that that orca is going to sell. Yeah. It could take it could take months. Yeah. And they also say the real money in industry, at least T2 building, is in reactions. Like that is it is the it is the one that is hardest to do because you need to have uh, a place that can do reactions. And that used yeah. to be a long time ago you know, a pause, you needed to, um, you need to have like the right permissions in a corporation to be able to use the facilities that had, uh, arrays in it. So you could refine, uh, I'm sorry to react. And, uh, so it was always kind of a bottleneck. Like in other words, the reaction part of the T2 production line was the one where you needed a little more permission from your group to handle that stuff. Uh, which meant that it was a little more selective about who could actually react things. And so that is kind of where the money was. If you decided just to sell reactions, you would make out okay. You didn't have to build the whole product. And if you were building yeah. the T2 product and couldn't use, couldn't do reactions, that's where your main cost was, people who could do reactions. Yeah, so so it is a sound strategy in market to look for um, for bottlenecks and to try to solve them. The bottleneck is a problem for a lot of people. People pay to have their problems solved. If they can solve it themselves, they probably do it. So if you can solve those problems for other people, that's where you're going to um, achieve maximum return on value. And, um, a lot of people cannot do reactions because they don't, they don't have the permissions. Uh, there are some publicly accessible refineries, but they are in dangerous places, and there aren't that many of them. Um, so, yeah, that's where a lot of the... Um, uh, the value is. Hmm. Well, this led to a bigger conversation where we started, I started saying like, well, isn't that just marketing and trading as opposed to industry? And, uh, then we started talking about, well, what is industry? Is it harvesting? Is industry building manufacturing? Is industry hauling to the market? Is industry putting stuff on the market? And what kind of different gameplay considerations are in all these different aspects? And is industry all of them? Like, what do you think? What is industry? Well, there are at least four distinct activities that are kind of, um, are not well differentiated 
but are all parts that, that are not well differentiated under this blanket term industry. But they're all necessary parts of somebody has to do these things to get um, a finished good to market. Um, first is resource gathering, mining, planetary production, uh, things like that. Second is the actual production, uh, which is not just you know clicking start on a blueprint. Of course, that's part of it, but if uh, you also have to you have to manage your inventory, right? Like, how much isk do I want to have tied up in Veldspar right now? Um, that's not a, a trivial choice because. Hey, if you stockpile, let's say, 10 billion Veldspar, well, if the price of Veldspar goes down 2%, then you lost, what, Money. 200 million ISK? You're, the more of that well, stuff you stockpile, the more exposed you are. You haven't lost the money, but you're stuck, right? Now you're underwater. You can't get out of Veldspar. You got to hold it till it goes back up. Yeah, you got to hold it, or you've got to try to... Uh, make that ISK back on producing for a high-value item. Uh, let's say orcas are selling for... Uh, well, here's a better example. Um, during the the uh, winter event with the, the Sancha mining sites or whatever, the, um, mm-hmm. um, they didn't let orcas in, but they did let porpoises in. Well, uh, an orca and a porpoise used the same skill set, so if you wanted to do the event, you found yourself locked out of your orca, then you probably went to market to buy a porpoise. Um, and I, I was selling porpoises as fast as I could build them back then for 50%, 60% markup. It was really good item to be selling at that time. So if you could find things like that, you can make your, your ISK back on your raw materials then. But that's just like trying to claw back losses that you've basically already taken um, if you're in that, that position. Um, the best way to not find yourself in that position is to not hold unlimited quantities of raw material, unless you want, unless you've made a market decision that you want to speculate in, in that. Um, so you're you're exposed, and and you have to think about that exposure if you're doing manufacturing. So that's the the second um, role. There's resource gathering. There's manufacturing. It also involves things like um, pricing. How much is a how much is a unit of tritanium worth? Is it worth the estimated value? Is it worth the sale price in Jita? It's worth the buy price in Jita. Well, hold on, I'm in I'm in Amar. What do I care about the price in Jita for? That's right. Maybe. It, these are not trivial questions, um, and you have to kind of think about them if you're going to concentrate on the manufacturing element of it. Yeah. Um, a uh, third part would be the, the logistics. Uh, I mean, they're called industry ships for a reason. You need them to do industry. So you're going to have to move things around. Okay, I need to, I need, I have 10 billion units of Veldspar that I need to move three jumps over. And one of those jumps is a low security system. That's not a trivial logistics challenge. You're going to have to, you're going to have to think seriously about transportation or you're going to need to, employ the services of somebody who has and uh that's three and then the fourth the fourth part is the uh the market itself okay now i I have my raven battleship or my neutron blaster or whatever um i take it to market great i'm sitting in in jita well how much do i sell it for okay i sell it for um one isk less than the highest order up 
Is that the right strategy? Well, let's say I could, let's say there's a buy order that's open for 10% of what I made it for, of my cost of production. Maybe I should just cash out. I mean, hey, that's 10%, right? Why wait? But, but hold on. I know that this, I know that the price of this item fluctuates. It's, it's selling for a million isk today, but I look on the market tab and I see it was, it was selling for 1.4 million two weeks ago and 1.6 million four weeks before that. And so I, I reasonably extrapolate. I say, well, the price may fluctuate again. Maybe I set it at 1.4 million and hold out for a better price. Well, there, there are reasons for doing all of these things. The point is that it's not a trivial question. You have to, you know, you have to have strategy. You have to think about what you're doing. All four of these, these uh, parts of industry are essential, and they're essentially unrelated skill sets. I don't need to know anything about markets to move Veldspar. I don't need to know anything about moving Veldspar in order to mine it. Um, all right, so, so I, I just don't, industry is not a good word <laughs> in my view. There's, there's resource gathering, there's manufacturing, there's logistics, and there's, um, there's markets. And you have to do all, somebody has to do all those things to, um, to turn a raw material into an ISK. Yeah. Well, Rundle, what do you think uh, industry is and should it have a different name? I'm thinking uh, for me, the uh, the biggest thing that I'm, as you're listening to this, is really how the play style overlaps with these kind of four areas. Um, the I was curious what you thought, well, what if you have any um, ideas of like the play style before I jump in and kind of throw some ideas? Uh, me or Servant? Uh, Servant, sorry. Because I, I want to hear his opinion before I kind of say what I want to say. The play style, um... like so, an so so there's because there's an, a, another level of of depth and complexity here. There's those four industry types, but then there's mm -hmm. the play styles of how people play as it relates to industry: casual players, hardcore players, people who just tinker, people who don't care about maximizing is they're just playing because they like playing. And hey, I built the ship that I'm flying in, sort of things, right? Right. Um. Well, mining is. Hmm? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, if you're if somebody is starting off casually, then I mean they should just do the part that they enjoy. Um, you know, they, there are casual levels to to each of them. I think manufacturing is probably the hardest thing to do casually because, um, like the question, how do you, what is a unit of feldspar worth? You know, that involves a lot of brain sweat just to try to think about you know, the back and forth, the different aspects of it. Um, it's kind of hard to to see how you could do that casually and and well. Um, I mean, just to, fig just to figure out whether you made any ISK or not on your drone, right? Right. Well, well okay, here, um, even if I know the conversion between... Um, between the unit of tritanium and my infiltrator one drone, um, well, what did that feldspar cost when I got it? Yep. <laughs> you know, where did I get it? How do I how do I control for that risk? Right? Is ten percent volatility right? Is twenty percent? These are these are not really questions for the casual player, so I don't really recommend that for yeah for them. So, so I think I think you know so I think the four types of industry I think that's. Um, I think you're fairly accurate on that because if I look at my alts, 
I have uh, in my mind, I have alts that are specifically tied to resource gathering. I have those alts where they've literally trained very deeply those skill sets in resource, um, uh, resource uh, what sort I'm looking for? Where the resource skills so they can break down any ore refining. and do all that stuff. Refining, thank yeah. you. Um, I have an orca pilot. I have the, the gatherers so they can go out and do all the mining and do all that stuff. I have industry um, characters that are just solely around industry. I have those around. I have one that's just for market, for market management. Um, I have uh, all those. I have those things, right? Um, and, and I've already, and I've forgotten your fourth one. I'm sorry. Um, uh, logistics. The logistics. Oh yeah. And I have very specific logistics pilots for jump freighters and moving. So I have very specific pilots to do all four of those things. I, I think, um, so I agree that industry is a kind of a very big term that touches on multiple things. I think players can individually play in any of those four, but at some point, all four become important to you if you reach a certain level. And I think that level is usually driven by dependency. The, it, number one, dependency, and two, um, gameplay engagement. I think if you uh, feel that you don't want to be dependent on anyone or you don't want to have a dependency on others to get what you want, I think that drives people to um, to engage in all four type. And then that usually is the road towards ISK generation, right? You normally, always somewhere in EVE, is like, how can I make more ISK? But if you just try kind of casual ways of doing it, it usually kind of falls. So what ends up happening is your ISK generation and your ISK and your gameplay and having the the tools, the toys, the the modules, the ships ultimately means you have to depend on someone else to build the thing, have it in market when you want it, where you want it, and at the time and the price you need it. And if you can somehow build it yourself, you're no longer dependent on any of those problems in theory. And then there becomes your real big problem because now you're dependent on getting all the materials, moving it around, making it yourself and doing all that stuff. So to me, this, this question of dependency is a key element of industry, right? Yeah, well, there, there's an old saying, you know, I, I can do anything, but I can't do everything. Um, so, you know, uh, even, if I, even if I've mastered all these skills and have all the characters trained up and have a deep knowledge of all the different aspects of the gameplay, it's still going to behoove me to cooperate with other players um, just because I, I can't be everywhere, right? Right. And then I think yeah. it's the, the other element is gameplay. What, just what excites you? What, what, what's, what interests you? If you want to sit and, and just listen to music and have a movie on or forget about the kids in the background or whatever, then you might be mining and doing whatever, or you might be engaging in market warfare. And there's all sorts of, of, of other subtext to it. Um, I, I think um, I, I'm sitting here trying to think: are, is there another? Is there a fifth, you know, arm of industry? And um, I, I think I think you more or less have it. I think there's sub fingers of the arms, but I think for the the four arms that you have, I think that's a, a pretty fair way of looking at the overall business. If you want to go into business in Eve, and you want to be a industrial tycoon i think that's where the word industry is you're going to get in you're going to want to control all four aspects that you have laid out yeah um of course uh don't if you're not in if you're in high security space and you have concord there to quote protect you um not always very efficiently but you know they have they have, concord cannot provide ultimate security but they have pretty effectively constrained 
people who want to aggress you to they focus that aggression in very narrow and specific ways and it, it becomes very predictable and you can you can pretty effectively um prevent your prevent losses but if you want to get into those resource rich areas and have that vertical integration and you know mine better ore um and do things like that then you have to think about security too um yeah. and, and like from an industrialist standpoint you know most of what goes on in a pvp alliance is really just like the the hard shell that protects their athenor right yeah. <laughs> right um, that could be a customers. that could be a valid additional arm. I like uh, Arter Beach in. Uh, hold on, Ron, he, me, he said time is the other one. Go ahead. Yeah, let me jump on that point because uh, there was an article written a while ago. It was really good uh, on INN by Elizabeth, uh, a very good writer, and she basically postulated this game is a PVE game, and you PVPers are the visitors basically. So <laughs> everything revolves around protecting PVE. I thought that was That's a yeah. Uh, it's, there are a lot of players, a lot of players who primarily do PVE, and um, Eve um, can be a solo game. Absolutely, that's, yeah. that's why I started playing. I thought it could be a solo game. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. right so, for many so, years. But yeah, I, I agree. So I, the, the combat side, the protection, the security side, right? Uh, whether or not you're just whether or not you're just flying along in a combat ship to to. Uh, to protect someone moving stuff to to market or or, or whatever, and um, for sure. But I, I want to explore again. Arter Beach here. He said the other arm of industry is time, and actually, that's a very interesting thought. Time is you know like like everything. Time is isk. Time is money. I consider time, time a currency have... though, not a function of industry. You have um, isk. You have actual dollars. Then you have isk. Then you have. Well, I used to have Aurum. You don't have that anymore. Then you have time. But then the the last currency, what do you think it is? Plex. Nope. Oh, Plex, yeah. There's one more after Plex. Skill points. Oh, shoot. Uh, now we're getting into LP points and all that stuff. And you're right. No, 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 no. So there's one I, I big know. one that time buys you. Time fused with action buys you reputation. Yeah. And yeah. that is a currency that is the hardest currency in EVE to gain. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I, yeah, I'm just I, I I like the idea of time, but I'm not sure if it's yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing to talk about and explore uh, maybe now or but later. But you know, time in terms of industry, I think where he's going is vertical versus horizontal. Vertical market, it takes me I have a X amount of time in order to get the item. A horizontal market, um, I just go to the marketplace and get it. And so in five minutes, I can be up and running and doing what I want versus in 6.7 days or after I train five days of skills and whatever, right? Yeah, and so right. Like if, if certainly I had, is an element there. If I had enough ISK, I could buy basically all of the Tritanium in HiSec in a couple minutes, right? And I could I mean, have how many man hours is that, <laughs> right? Yeah. That somebody had to work to, to produce that. And so that's one of the main advantages of the horizontal integration strategy is that um, you've decoupled, if you're just sourcing everything from the market, you've decoupled production from man hours. Um, it makes no difference to me how long somebody else took to um, to mine that Veldspar. It only matters to me how much ISK they are willing to uh, to hold out for and in exchange for it, right? 
But if you're pursuing a strategy of vertical integration and you're trying to source everything yourself, then your production will always bear a linear relation to man hours invested. Whether it's yours or somebody else's, you can you can squeeze more efficiency out of those man hours with better equipment or by training up more alts, but you're going to run into a pretty severe limitation sooner or later, um, well, more likely sooner, if you insist on controlling every part of the production process. But if I have 10 billion ISK in my wallet and I want 500,000 Veldspar, like, why would I mine that myself? Yeah. Right? I mean, is this where is this where people are getting hung up that are angry at these changes that are coming through? There seems to be uh, a variety of reactions to the industry upgrade, but the majority, I think, are this is going to be cool. We like this. We're very interested in it. We've seen some people, like an article that came out today. Um, I didn't finish reading it. I need to go back and read it by Jurius Doctor on INN that uh, talks about, and I think it's a one part out of three parts article and this one's already 4,000 words long but he's basically saying like CCP is developing a caste system and I think it goes to the corner of the Imperium I think has a, has a talked about this uh, they don't like these uh, changes that are coming through the uh, uh, industrial upgrade changes they talk in terms of I can't do what I did before you're just taking something away from me like is are Speak to those people having a problem with the changes. Is it they can't remain vertical? Is it more work now to be stay to stay vertical? Is that the problem? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot more work because it used to be you could root in one place and get most of what you needed, um, and then they they moved they diversified the ore distribution. So if you insist on having a fully vertical enterprise, previously you could just do everything in a, a system or two in nullsec. Now you need to, what you really want to find is a high sec system that's next to a low sec and next to a, a nullsec, you know, all within, I don't know, six or seven jumps. And you can, it's a little bit more, it's a lot more work, but you can still basically do what you were doing. You have to, your gameplay yeah. just got a lot more complicated. Right. With um, traffic considerations too, or, you know, those are going to be heavily trafficked areas probably. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, if you're in null sec, you don't really think about Concord that much. But you better think about them if you're in high sec and you have your safety set to red, which a lot of people do in null sec, right? You could accidentally Concord yourself. Um, so that got more complicated. And now you're going to have to go into wormhole space. You're going to have to do reactions. You're gonna, it, it, it just got way more complicated to vertically integrate. Um, and I think those, the people who are going to suffer the most from this change are not the little guy. Um, if I have to hear it, this will only hurt the little guy one more time. It's like it's, the good, it's like they've already lost. Doesn't it feel like they're taking the little guy prisoner and saying, "You shoot at me, you're going to kill this little guy first. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, when goons complain, when goons say that something is going to hurt the little guy, they mean it's going to hurt them. Um, and you know, fine, whatever. They can't just come out and say that. So, fine. Um, what it's really going to do is it's going to hurt the people who insist on verticality, but if um, who insist on controlling the entire production process themselves. But by creating all those little barriers and all that, th that diversity of activities within the production chain, it's going to place more value on the people who master specific parts of it. 
right? Like mining in high sec is not the same as mining in a wormhole space. Well, if I can do both, I'm more valuable to my organization. If I only just if I decide to only do one, then you know I'm I'm less valuable, right? Um, so it's it's going to create barriers, and that's going to hurt people who only want to do that one thing. It's going to make it more difficult for one or a smaller group of people to to fully vertically integrate. But it'll have virtually no effect on horizontal integration because. I mean, I'm not going to do reactions myself for the same reason I'm not going to mine myself. And You'll just, just move with the market. You'll just move with the with the flow. Yeah, what I'm going to what I'm going to do about these auto seal integrity preservers or whatever, if I want to build a battleship, is I'm going to put a new slot on my spreadsheet. I'm going to factor that price into my cost of production. I'm going to pass it on to the consumer, and I'm probably going to make a lot more ISK on that battleship after these changes than I did before, because all these barriers have kicked out the vertically integrated people, right? They're going to say, well, I can't mine wormhole gas by myself, so I'm going to go build something else. And I don't have to compete with those people. So the price, I expect the price of um, the more complicated items is going to increase, not primarily because the build cost has increased, although it will, but because there are going to be fewer people offering those items because a whole swath of industrialists have just gotten kicked out of the market because they can't vertically integrate. They can't control the entire process of production. They can only control 80% of it or whatever. So just build something else and I don't have to compete with them. Yeah, that's true. And Eve, though, you made, you made a comment about the, you know, the changes um, locking people out, right? But you know, with, every, with every door that closes in Eve, three usually open, right? Sort of, uh, maybe the numbers are off, but you get my point. Um, and I think it, it, this, there'll just be a shift. This has happened many times over 15, 16 years in this game. Uh, something changes and there's chaos and, and hands are in the air. Oh my God, how do I, how do I? And then very quickly people find a way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they'll, they'll find a method. And, but change is what upsets people. And I think you're right. There are some people who have worked very hard to scale their number of characters and you know, one or two friends to be very vertically integrated across a number of products through size and stuff. And that did break. And so those people will scream the loudest. Um, Cassifin says, uh, as the little guy, my point of view is that these changes are great and I can't wait. And then Empower27 says, think of the children. And that's just (laughs) exactly, that's just exactly exactly what it is, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, Darwin said that the the organism that survives is not the strongest; it's the one that can adapt the most quickly to change. And um, you know, from from my point of view, is the utterly trivial to discuss whether or not this is good for the game, or you know, what what I would do if I were CCP, or you know, what is good game design, or what's going to help the new bro, or whatever you know we're just we're in this environment we've chosen to be here and you know we're going to try to succeed we're going to succeed or not according to the rules as as they uh, have been given to us and let me also say about this scarcity phase a lot of people have, have are have been complaining about it um, often justifiably but if you remember before the scarcity changes um came in the number one complaint of players is that there's too much stuff people have too much isk there it's 
loss has no meaning. Uh, everything has been flat and valueless. And, you know, players were, were driving for this. They asked for it. And CCP gave it to them good and hard. The idea that uh, you could have suicide dreads, if you think about that term, it's crazy that you would take a ship, a dreadnought, right? Think about what a dreadnought means in a science fiction film. Like Darth Vader's ship is a dreadnought. You don't suicide those things, you know, to take out uh, a Death Star every Wednesday or something. It's not, that's not how the universe should work. So the yeah, idea of dreadnoughts not being suicided away, to me, has a lot of appeal. Now, you still have a ton of Titans that need destroying, so something has to kill those, and Dreadnoughts were good at that, but the idea that they were just so expendable, you literally would throw T1 stuff on it and just get it destroyed, that uh, that started to happen with uh, Titans. They started throwing T1. There was a concept in PL called the T1 Titan, and it was basically just throw T1s on it. They're so cheap that uh, you don't need to put in all the you know purple stuff or the blue stuff uh, to 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 really get a lot out of it. You just blow it up and build another one. So something went wrong. I think everybody can agree with that. But it would be nice to get back to suicide nothing. You know, everything everything that's a capital ship is valuable and you need to try to live instead of throwing, instead of using it as ammunition for, for something. Yeah. I mean, I can see a destroyer or a frigate as ammunition, but a Titan, come on. And that's what's getting cheaper, right? And can be built by new players and young players and whatever else. All the destroyers, battle cruiser, cruiser, destroyer, uh, all the way down to frigate, super cheap to build. Let that be the fodder. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it should be a serious commitment when you put your Titans out or your dreadnoughts or whatever. Yeah, it takes a long time to build. Yeah, it's going to hurt if you lose them. To yeah. think twice. Yeah, not everybody agrees with uh, the idea that suicide dreads go away, but I, I actually really do. Like the idea of suicide dreads, that that idea needs to be, that idea needs to be like uh, made extinct. All right, um, is there anything else uh, that you wanted to cover or rundle? No, I think it's, I've enjoyed the conversation. I, you know, I, I like to try to categorize because I think for if you, you know, we've categorized it to a degree, and I think now that allows us even or anyone else to talk about changes upcoming in in one of those four areas and then the area where i was going is we could also overlay gameplay how do new characters start how do existing characters take advantage of one of those four areas i i like the division i think it's very uh very engaging topic yeah i think it needs clarification too Servad, do you have anything else uh can't think of it well that, this was your first podcast you jumped on camera how was it uh, pretty good. Thanks for having me. You survived. <laughs> Servad right. survived. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, Servad. Thanks, Rundle. Thank you guys for hanging out with us at Talking in Stations. We will be back tomorrow with more Talking in Stations. <laughs>